from the stage. You can turn and see our worship team is getting ready to uh, start us off here in about two minutes. Um, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining with us. Just a couple of quick announcements before we get going. Um, CF communities are still going on. Great way to get engaged and involved in the church. And you can find those on our CF Paris app. If you download that, you can search your, your phone or your iPad's device, your store for CF Paris. Download that. And there's a little tab on there about groups. And you can look for when groups meet and where they meet and that sort of thing. We'd love to have you uh, be able to connect with our during the week stuff. Um, and the CF Paris app is a great way to find those groups. Anyway, uh, I want to pray with you guys before we get going, and we'll hand it over to Melissa here in about a minute or so, uh, jump with her on the stage and get going on our worshiping. But before I pray, let me encourage you to engage uh, with the service, and a good way to do that is gather uh, your family around with you um, when it's worship. Sing along. The lyrics will be on the bottom of the screen. Sing right along. It doesn't matter if you sing well or not. God loves it when we use what we've given him, our, what he's given us, our breath and our voices to acknowledge him and give glory back to him. And so engage this morning as you're uh, watching this, whether it be in your car or in your living room or uh, at the job site. Um, look up the scriptures if you want to. Take notes, but just uh, engage with the content. Really set aside this time to worship God. You know, we want to give this back to God. We want to make sure that we're uh, doing our part to just focus on him and give him a uh, part of what he's given back to us. So anyway, um, with that, let me pray and we'll get going here on the stage with our music. Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for all that you're doing in, uh, in our community, online, all over the world. God, we love you. We pray Good for morning, all the Christian churches Fellowship. that have started. Uh, their worship services, and we just ask that you Stand be with, with us. Me, please. We love you in Jesus' name. Good Amen. morning. Good morning. All right. I don't know if this is for anybody out there, but I just want to tell you that the time you spend today here is not a waste. The time you spend with God is not a waste. I can think of a lot of things that I waste my time on. But this is not one of them. Amen? So time spent with God is not a waste. Time spent with God changes things. So maybe that's for someone here. Maybe it's someone listening sometime today or later. But I just want to encourage you that this time that you're spending focused on God in his presence is not a waste. And it will change things. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all these worshipers that are here joining with us to lift up your name, to give you praise, to give you gratitude for so much. God, be blessed by our praise and worship in your name. Amen. Okay, let's put our hands together. Things that 
without your goodness I would be desperate without your love a slave to the darkness if it wasn't for the cross you have your kindness you chased me down when I was lost where would I be if it wasn't for the cross hallelujah thank you Jesus I was a prisoner now I'm with your blood you you bought my freedom oh hallelujah for the cross sing all my shame and all my shame was met with mercy now your mercy would be my song and all the glory Oh, hallelujah for the cross. 
singing. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner. Now I'm not. And with your blood, you, you bought my freedom. Oh, hallelujah. For the cross. Now give him praise first. Yes, we thank you for the cross, God. You loved us so much. Still in your head. 
worshiping this morning let's take a few moments and pray Psalms 105 says oh give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name let's take a few moments and call on his name dear God whatever the situation whatever the pain whatever the joy God we ask that you would walk us through it you would help us to respond in a way that's honorable to you you are so faithful. We want to make known your deeds among our friends and our family. We want to sing to you, sing praises to you, and tell of all your wonderful works. As we're praying together, could you just close your eyes a moment and think about the good things in your life? glory in his holy name and let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice we rejoice in you God we rejoice in you through the good and through the pain seek the Lord in his strength seek his presence continually remember the wondrous works that he has done his miracles and the judgments he's uttered he is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham. His sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed in Jacob. I will give you this land. You are a portion, as your portion for an inheritance. God, we thank you for what you've given us and blessed us with. You are wonderful and great is your faithfulness. There is no one like you, God. No one like you, God. There is no one like you, God. If you're bold enough to do so, go ahead and say that to him out loud. God, there is no one like you. Amen. Amen. There is no one like our God. Why don't you tell somebody as you take your seats, say hello and Tell them that there's nobody like my God. Amen, amen. I'm sorry I was a little late coming up here. I came after the third song instead of the second. 
Um, you're welcome. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you uh, in the building or online uh, worshiping with us. We're so thankful and grateful that you are here. If this is your first time as a guest, you're online as a first time, we have a link we'd love for you to fill out our new here online form. Love to connect with you. If you're here in the building, you can scan the QR code on the new here card uh, in the seat back in front of you or fill it out analog, <laughs> manually. Um, we would love to know that you were here, be able to send you a note of thanks and gratitude for being a part of our worship service today. There's a little checkbox on that card. If you'd like to know more about the church, you can check that box and somebody will give you a phone call. Um, we're just excited to have you uh, with us in uh, the building or online. If you're here in the building on your way out uh, in the lobby, there's a CF Paris coffee mug we'd love to give you as a gift just for being with us and uh, hanging out with us. Thank you so, so very much for being here. Uh, all you family and people who come on a regular basis, I'm glad you're here too. Well, most of you. I'm glad most of you are here. Everybody except for Ricky. Uh, Ricky, I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, we have a few announcements coming up, but before we do that, we're going to go ahead and have the ushers come forward. We'll receive our tithes and our offerings, give back to God what he has blessed us with. Um, let me pray over that, and then we'll roll that uh, announcement video. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so very much that you're with us and that you are a faithful God. Great is your faithfulness. We want to make known uh, uh, to everybody around us how good you are. God, help us to identify the things in our lives that you've blessed us with, the good things, and how you've brought us through even the bad things, and let us make that known to others, Jesus. We bless you with what you've given us. We give back of our tithes and of our offerings. Uh, thank you so much for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What's up, CF Paris? We are so excited that you joined us today. We have just a few announcements for you. First of all, this Tuesday, it's our church's turn to stock the food pantry. So you meet downtown, it takes less than an hour, and you get the pantry all ready for the week. Next Sunday, we're going to have our Start Here class. You don't want to miss that. Pastor G teaches that, and it's 30 minutes before mm -hmm. service starts, so don't miss Start Here. And our next big announcement is VBX, Vacation Bible Experience. Corey talked about it last week, but we just want you guys to get the dates in your calendar. It is June 26th through the 30th, and we've got a quick little video to show you all about it.
guys, man, VBX is one of just, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Um, if you've never experienced it, come volunteer. Uh, man, look, invite your neighbor's kids, <laughs> invite your kids, and invite the kids you don't like across the street. I mean, what, what, what bad is going to happen? Maybe, maybe it turns out better for you, right? So invite your kids, guys, invite the neighbor's kids, invite everybody you know. It's going to be a great time. We're all so excited. We're, uh, uh, we're looking to hopefully partner up with, uh, with uh, some other churches and redo, either redo our VBX with them at their church or at the very least be able to donate a lot of our stuff into some other churches that they can then as well put on a VBX. I'm super excited about what God is doing through us, through you and I, guys. I mean, it's, it's not the church. It's not CF Paris building. It's, it's you. You and I are CF Paris. If you're here for the first time, well, welcome. You're now a part two. <laughs> that means you have to volunteer. That's what, that's what that means. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, uh, it's about getting involved. It's about more than just sitting in a seat on a Sunday morning and getting your song sung to you or your word heard. Uh, that's not what it's about. It's about being able to, man, continually give back in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And this is a great opportunity that we have to be able to minister to kids that, uh, that man, there's, there's kids that need a positive influence right now. Um, on top of that, on, along with VBX, I'm, I'm uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back. Before I jump into my message. Man, last year, every year we do a, uh, a heart for his house where we talk about different things that, that we're thinking about for the new building. And this last year, a lot of our heart for his house items have taken much longer than we expected them to. There's still a sign being built. It is being built. Um, I, uh, can you all throw that picture up for me out of the back real quick? Is it up there? It's up there. That's what it will look like eventually. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but with that, the opportunity, one of the, uh, this, was, this was one of the projects we talked about doing. There's a number of other projects that we've already completed. There was some bathrooms in the back that you guys um, helped finish off. And then as well, we've got some, right now you see big poles coming up out of the playground. Those are for wind sails that we didn't want to uh, fly during winter. Um, so wind sails will be going up to cover up our daycare kids as they're playing in the sun. Because I don't know if you know it, but although rubberized mulch is much more environmentally friendly or whatever, it gets hot. Rubber in the sun is not nice. Um, so we're excited to be able to put those, those sails up, put the sign out. Um, but with the sign, one of the things that I'm, I'm really pleased about is, is the fact that we can utilize our facility for so many other ministries and things that are happening here within our community. Um, this, this last Friday was the start of a new program. I say a new program. It's, a, it's an older program that we are a part of four different churches at the moment, guys, that have come together to start Celebrate Recovery or to start up another Celebrate Recovery right here in, in Paris. For When I first moved to Paris, um, Christian Fellowship had been kind of overseeing Celebrate Recovery, but quite honestly, being just us, uh, we, we wore the people that were volunteering. Poor Eddie Fitzgerald back there. I, I think he was up here every single, every single week for five, six years. Um, but, uh, and then uh, 
was it East Paris, East Paris took it over after we weren't able to continue it going, and they kept it going for quite a while. But now, alongside some of their people, as well as three different other churches, guys, these churches are coming together because one church can't affect the community by itself without coming together with the body of Christ. Right? So... I'm super excited. On Friday nights at 545, we're going to be the host facility. We are one of four or five churches at the moment that are, are going to be operating it. So that means once a week we're going, to, we're going to host the worship. We're going to have somebody that just leads a couple songs on a guitar, plays music. We're going to host a meal. There's going to be meals. for this. Celebrate Recovery is a phenomenal program that this community needs. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, we're going to be posting some videos this week on, on Celebrate Recovery, what it's about and, and all that. But great opportunity for us to utilize this facility and uh, reach the community, guys. Because there's people that, uh, understandably so, are, I, I, I'm not that they're afraid, but they've been burnt by walking in a church before. And so their natural reaction, a lot of people, is not to come with you on a Sunday morning to church. But all of a sudden, if they can experience a building outside of church, it makes it a lot more comfortable to be able to come in and then just be able to sit around friends and realize that it's not some pompous, arrogant, we're pushing people out, but rather we're showing people the way. That's what it's about, guys. Come on. Um. I, uh, I want to give you guys an update. We, uh, I, I took up an impromptu um, uh, offering last week for Ukraine. Uh, we're blessed that years, back in the mid-70s, a, a gentleman that was actually kind of a, one of the overseers of the church here uh, is still in great contacts with us, Ron Hibbert. And he's, he's been planting churches throughout Poland and Ukraine as well as the surrounding areas since about the mid-70s, and, and last week, guys, um, last week, y'all raised uh, upwards of $16,000. <laughs> I mean, every, every penny, every penny is currently being transferred right over to them. So, and, and I got an email this week from Ron and his wife, Gretel. Uh, that's not a name you hear a whole lot anymore. Uh, Gretel and I, um, and, and I wanted to real quickly just kind of reach, uh, can you put that picture up behind me if you don't mind? Um, I'm basically right now, they're, they're kind of mainly dealing over here where you see the two stars over on the left-hand side because that's where uh, a lot of the fighting isn't. And what they've noticed is there's a huge influx of people, predominantly older women and children, um, that, are, that are coming through, passing through the town of LVIV, that one. Uh, passing through that town across into Poland. Uh, and, and I wanted to read to you real quickly. The, in western Ukraine, which is peaceful at present, they're currently uh, taking refuge or, or helping people that have crossed the border into Pol Poland. This morning, that when he wrote me on Wednesday, he said, The churches we relate to in southeast Poland established a soup kitchen at the border and were serving soup and bread to those who had been waiting all night long in the open air. Um, in LVIV, they're working with uh, two different churches uh, that they've, they've helped plant, one Baptist and one Pentecostal. Uh, and they are helping people on their journey, giving them hot meals and a blanket. As we speak, guys, there are meals, there's food, there's clothing that's being given out to people that are hurting, that are hungry, that are lost. And it's because 
we took the time to place a simple dollar in a bucket last week. It's amazing what God can do when you just open up your life and say, God, I, I don't know what I could do with this. I could buy a coffee, but what, what can you do? Um, thank you, guys, man. 16000 Now, I, I will admit that because we had already taken the tithe up, when I heard the amount, I was like, wait a second. Like, what? what? That was still. And then I had to say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. That's not what I meant. I meant thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm going to uh, jump right into my message here, guys. Uh, over the last three weeks uh, as, as a pastor, uh, man, I don't know what's going on, but I, I still don't have. Thank you. Um, over the last three weeks, we've been talking about getting there. And, and I, want to, I want to preface this idea of getting there because I, we all have this, this idea of what there is. The problem is you'll never get there. The best there that you can think of, honestly, what ends up happening pales in comparison to what there is if you allow God to work through you here. But we get all caught up on getting there on what there is that we're willing to settle for so much less than the best that God has for us because we think we can plan the route. Well, well Corey, how, how, what is God's plan for my life? What's, what's that perfect will of God? And, and, then, and then how do I get there? Because if I know the destination, I can map out the perfect route to get me there the quickest. Because let's be honest, God's route, it's got a couple bypasses and some mountains and some valleys and some hard times. And, and I don't really want those. I want the good times. So, Corey, God, tell me what your plan is for my life. What is God's perfect will? Because I want to map out how to get there. The big challenge today is, well, most of you aren't good decision makers. I mean, I say that about myself, not you. Look, I, come on, honestly, in, in this culture, in this society, what has happened is there has been a, uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's harder to make decisions, but it is, it's harder to make decisions. Uh, for example, the, uh, there, there was a generation, so my parents' parents, who lived through the Great Depression. And so when they got out of the Great Depression, all of a sudden, what did they instill in their kids? You go to college, you get a good job. If you go to college, you get a good job. So a whole generation went off to college to get that good job and then figured out, man, I really don't like what I'm doing. And so what ended up happening is they taught their kids, no, 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 no. No. Yes, you, you go to college, you get a good job, but, but pursue your passion. What is it you love? What's, what's something that's going to make money that you're passionate about and you love? Yeah, well, hmm. the three of those don't exist together all the time. But now we have a decision, we have a, a generation that, that's trying to make decisions based off, okay, okay, well, I, I've got to make money. I've got to love it. I've got to be passionate about it. And, 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 then, and then and we sit there and, and it's hard to make decisions. There's more options now than there ever has been in life. It used to be you could go to the, the medicine store and, and what? You'd pick up something for a headache. Now, I mean, everything. Like you sit there and you read the back of 20 boxes and you have half the symptoms but not the other half. And so you're trying to like piece together, I think I need this one with this one and that one and this one. and Right? It. Decisions, decisions are hard. 
One of the biggest deterrents to making decisions, though, I, I think is the idea, this mentality that we're going to miss out on something if we decide something here. Well, yeah, but, but what, what if... What, what if, like, if I make the wrong decision, what, 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 if, what if this changes? What if that happens? What if I can't do this or what if that and this? And so we're, we're lenient, we're scared to just step into a decision. We talked about this last week that and sometimes you just got to follow God and trust him with each step. Today what I want to do is, is continue along these same lines, this understanding of how do we trust that we're going to get there so we can make a decision here. Today, what I want to talk about is trusting God's process. Trusting God's process. Uh, I'm going to be reading today out of Acts chapter 20, focusing on, on verses 22 through 24. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. I'm going to have it on the screen here behind me. But basically, Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church. To this church, and, and, and he's writing and he's telling them in Ephesus, he's saying, listen, I, Paul, Paul loved Ephesus. This was a, a, a town, a place, a city where, where he got to know the people. He loved the people. He loved the church. He, everything about it was just, they, they gelled well together. Things were going great for him in Ephesus. He was doing well, loved what he was doing, loved the people, loved the church. This was his place he felt at home. And then all of a sudden he feels prompted by God to leave where he was and go somewhere else. Even though things were great, he felt the calling of God telling him to leave and to go someplace else. And so he calls in the elders of the church, and he's explaining to them. He's like, look, God, God's moving me on. And he has this, uh, this emotional farewell with him. I, I want to pick up in Acts 20, verse 22. Again, he loved where he was but knew God was calling him somewhere else. Listen to this. Now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In, uh, in looking at this scripture today, what I want to do is I, I want to show you four, four points, four steps in trusting God's process. Four steps in trusting God's pro uh, process. Look, if you, want, if you want any chance of getting there, if you want any chance of getting there, then you're going to have to pay attention to these four steps in trusting God's process. The first one is what we're going to call the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit's prompting. Very simply, Paul starts off and he says, now, compelled by the Spirit, I feel led to go to Jerusalem. Compelled by the Spirit. When you look it up in the, in the Greek, the literal translation, it, it, it reads, compelled by the Spirit. He's saying, I, I love where I am, but I sense God encouraging me to go somewhere else. Literally translates, compelled, translates as, as, as bound, bound with a cord, but, but bound with a cord in a way that you're kind of being gently pulled in a direction. Oh, okay. So, bound by a cord, gently pulled by a breeze or a current of the Holy Spirit. 
When you read this in the original Greek, that's kind of how it, it would literally translate to us today. Paul is saying, I felt drawn, pulled by the presence of this breeze, the spirit of God leading me somewhere else. It could be something really big. In this instance, it was a big move for Paul. Something majorly, seemingly significant where, where the spirit redirects your whole life or or also, it, it could be something seemingly insignificant. But it will have a larger impact somewhere. Uh, for me, I, man, this is a, uh, this is a, this month, March, March is, is the month. So nine years ago on March the 10th was the very first Sunday that I was set in as pastor. My wife and I drove into Paris on the Saturday before, March the 9th. And uh, we, we, we moved across country. <laughs> it was across Texas, but it might as well have been across country. It was 12 hours in an overloaded U-Haul. Two of them. Melissa and I left comfortability behind. Moved to Paris. I... I I loved where I was at. I loved where I was at. I loved the people. It was my hometown. I'd grown up there. So I was familiar with it. I knew it. And I loved the pastor. I had worked for him in Louisiana for, uh, while, I, while I went to Bible college. It's also while I, while I worked at a boy's home. I mean, there was a lot of relationships there. There was people that were my people. And Melissa, we, we had relationships. We had a good thing going. But we felt compelled by the Spirit. To leave behind this church, this great job, everything we were doing, and, and come up to, to where? Paris? Texas? A church of 30, 40 people. Nothing about it made sense. <laughs> Nothing. I, I, I'm not, I'm not... Uh, Look, Melissa and I, it didn't, in the natural, it didn't make sense. We, we were going to be taking an, an eight, about an 80% pay cut. We were going to be moving into, nope, didn't have a home. <laughs> Luckily, there was a gentleman, I, Snowbird, we call him down there. It's, it's an elder couple that loved to live down south during the winter. Ed and Linda Almond. All of a sudden, they'd been going to the church in South Texas, and they said, hey, wait, what? Where are y'all moving? Y'all are going to help out a church in Paris, Texas? We've got a home there. Y'all can, can stay in it. We'll let you move in. This was two weeks before we were supposed to be here. Uh, yeah. I, there's a very wonderful couple that's here this morning. Ray and Twyla Rosebrough. Um, can I have you guys stand up just real quickly? I know that's, I don't, like guys... I want to, I just want to honor these two. Thank you. Ray took it upon himself to call me up and say, Corey, uh, are, are you certain that you know where the house is? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's out this road, down this street, it's this, that's right. Yeah, um, I was, you know, Twyla and I, we were driving around. We live out that direction. We drove by the house. And I just, maybe that's not the best house for you and your family. I, 
very sweet about it, very sweet. But already there was just this compassion, this care about, mm. and And then <laughs> Suzanne Smith, golly, I love you. I don't think, I don't, is Greg and Suzanne here today? There she is. She doesn't like to be pointed out, so I'm not pointing out Suzanne. I will not make her stand up right now. <laughs> Suzanne got in there and scrubbed a refrigerator that apparently, well, there were demons, is what I was told. <laughs> In the natural, it didn't make sense. And what was, what was crazier about it is, so Melissa and I, we, we, were, we were doing well. We had a great job, great, you know, great pay. But we were, we were living in a house at the time that was double what we could afford. There was a guy in the church who had a job in government, and the government was moving him somewhere else. And so he flat out told me, he said, hey, I've got to move. I, I can't keep paying for my house, but I'd love for you to rent it. I said, I can't afford the rent. He's like, well, what can you afford? I, I can afford half. He's like, man, look, just move in it, keep it up for me. Y'all can pay half. And I was living in a house that was, I mean, acreage. We had chickens. We had everything. I just had a whole farm. It was great. Big old kitchen. I can invite the church over. Come on over. Tile, counter. I mean, everything was like, it was nice. We loved it. And then, and then, and then God's, God's calling you. But God, do you know that there's still carpet in the bathrooms up there? I take it back. There weren't bathrooms. There was a bathroom. God, do you know? Right? But look, it was a blessing. It was. But in the natural, it didn't make sense. Nothing about it made sense. It can be big and life-directing. But it can also be subtle and quiet. The prompting of the Holy Spirit, it can be as, as simple as, as being prompted out of your comfort zone, hearing, hearing that, that gentle pulling, that gentle tugging, telling you, man, you ought to get involved in a small group, a community group. You should, you should start serving, getting involved. Oh, if you're quiet. Guys, it can be as simple as today at lunch, you're sitting down at your table and somebody across the way from you, you just feel the Lord telling you, I'm supposed to pay for their meal. And you don't need to meet them. They don't need to know it was you. It may just be as simple as an exchange with the waitress, that table right there. I, can you bring me their check? Look, and just, just as, just as you may never know or they may never know it was you, you may never know what God does in their life through some simple little act of obedience. When the Spirit of God prompts you guys, I encourage you, follow it, listen to it. You and I have to be aware of these moments. It's gentle, it's, it's, it's a tugging, it's a pull, it's a, it's a direction change. Some of you, God's been prompting you, talking to you for a long time. And my prayer today, my prayer is that you're compelled by his spirit that you'll understand that he's leading you to use your gifts to make a difference, whether it's to start a business or to start a ministry, whatever it is, God wants to use you, but you've got to be willing to listen to and obey the promptings of the spirit. The first thought in trusting God's process is simply the spirit's prompting. Paul says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. The second thought is that there will be certain uncertainty. 
certain uncertainty. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen there. <laughs> oh, my God, I need the details. Like, I God, nope, mm-mm. I need to know. I need to know. God, I'm moving to Paris. I got to get a house. I got a family. I got to put kids in a home. No. no you're, you're going to Paris. Nah, well, but, I mean, you know, right now I kind of got these cars. Got to pay for them. <laughs> no, just you go. Go to Paris. So often in life we want the details. God, God, show me the details. Why? Because the truth is we love to plan our own way. But here's the thing. Honestly, had God shown me the details, had God shown Melissa and I the details back then, man, I can't say for certain that I would have done it. If I would have known the pain, the hardships that I was going to be alongside others for along this ride, the pain, the hardships of, of friends that, that would just disappear, walk out. I, I don't know that I would have said yes. Hear me, on the other side, now, looking back at it, there's no way I'd ever say no. There's no way. But, but God doesn't necessarily give us the details because the details aren't, mm. The details aren't going to help you get where you want to go. If you're honest with yourself, the details are very well what could be what's tripping you up. There's going to be uncertainties. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I know I'm called to go, but I don't know the details. Look, man, constantly, constantly, God has had to lead me step by step. Why? Because step by step, nine years ago, nine years ago, Corey couldn't handle what happened five years ago, what happened six years ago, what happened yesterday. Corey couldn't handle that. But as God has taken me step by step, all of a sudden learning to trust him, trusting his process along the way, now all of a sudden it changes today. The decisions you make today will affect tomorrow. Some of you, you're so caught up on the decisions you made yesterday, you're forgetting that you can make changes today. The decisions you make today change the history, the trajectory of tomorrow. They do. And yet so often, what do we do? We fall back on ourselves. Well, well, I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know how to get there. I'm going to try. This is what I'm going to do. God's not asking you to do that. He's asking you to trust his promise. Trust even his uncertainties. Psalms 119.105, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. So often we're, we're looking for the word of God to be a spotlight into the future. That's not what it is. It's a lamp under my feet. It directs my steps. Directs my steps. Certain uncertainty. <laughs> I, I, I get a lot of time, Corey, what's, uh, what's, your, what's your plan for the future of CF Paris? Oh, my plan. I didn't dream we'd make it to this. <laughs> that's sad. Oh, that's so sad. 
But here's the truth. It's not sad. It's the most amazing thing ever. In fact, you don't even know if where you want to be is where God wants you to be. Corey, did, did you envision all of this for CF Paris? Oh, my faith. <laughs> Let me tell you how big my faith is. Trusting God with your future is more simply trusting God with today's step. I, I didn't envision anything close to this. In fact, if I told you what I envisioned, you'd probably laugh. It, it wasn't much. I mean, I knew God was big, and I knew he could do great things, and, and I knew it was going to be bigger than what it was, and that we were going to impact people, but, but how many? Well, you know. <laughs> we make our plans, and, and I quite honestly, God laughs. And, and, and hear me, hear me, not, not a mocking, condescending laugh, but, but a laugh that, that kind of says, oh, come along, Corey. You're, that's, that's not your future. That's, that's tomorrow. Watch what I'm going to do. Watch what I'm going to do. But it's trusting God's process. My plan, my, my plan, my plan is to be obedient today. I can't see the future, but I can be faithful with the next step. You want certainty? You want guarantees? Here it is. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Like we talked about last week, God will guide you. He will advise you and he will watch over you. Every step of the way. If you're not living with a little bit of uncertainty in your life, you may not be living by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, Scripture tells us. Uncertainty isn't bad. Paul writes, all I know is I'm being compelled by the Spirit. The Spirit's prompting. There's, there's going to be certain uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen. But then the third part of trusting God's process is, is what we call, or what I'm going to call, what we'll call today, uh, predictable resistance. There's a, uh, there's a mentality, especially within the church world, of if I'm facing resistance, it's the enemy. If I'm facing resistance, it, it must be that I'm out of God's will. This is what Paul says. He says, I'm being prompted. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem. I only know, the one thing I definitely know is that in every city, I am warned by the Spirit that prison and hardships face me. Hold, hold up, hold up, God. I'm going to take a time out here. Look, I'll be, I'll be straight with you. Had I, had I been praying and God said, you're supposed to go to Paris. And I'm like, oh, God, yes, my heart, my heart yearns for Paris. And then God said, yep, and prison and hardships will be facing you. I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to Paris. That can't be God. Satan, get behind me. Prison and hardships. I think a lot of times we kind of just breeze read through, through passages like this. Not, not understanding 
the complexity of what was going on. If they mention the name of Jesus, it's prison. If they talk about the works that Jesus did, that they saw firsthand, if, if they're sharing anything about Jesus, four years in prison, lock you up, chain you up, you're done. Prison, immediate. If you're not ready to face op opposition for God, you may not be ready to be used by God. Because if you don't think that it's ever going to be difficult when you do something significant by faith, you're kidding yourself. Everything significant that you do will be met with resistance. I don't say that as, as like a, oh, man, this is just a terrible message. Look, I really do. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up in the faith. But we can't keep looking at resistance as a quit time. I give up. I quit. I'm done. There's resistance, so it can't be God. At what point in time in the Bible did God say, follow me and I will give you rainbows and unicorns? It doesn't happen. It's trusting God's process. The problem today, again, when things get tough, we immediately lean to God must not be in this. When do you think the enemy attacks? <laughs> When you're not doing anything for the glory of God or when you are. I mean, look, you don't, you don't even have to be a religious person. You could have never cracked open a Bible. And I can ask you, if God exists and God loves you and there's an enemy and that enemy wants the opposite of what God wants, when do you think the enemy is going to attack? When you're not doing anything for God and don't care about God or when you are? It's It's simple. And yet, every time, what we tend to lean to is resistance. Oh, my God, this, this must not be God. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Resistance isn't necessarily a sign that you're out of God's will. It's often, often a sign that you're doing exactly what God called you to do. Can you continue to trust God's process even during the times that don't make sense? Can you continue to trust the process when you're getting resistance? The struggle that you're having today, it may very well be developing the spiritual strength that you need for tomorrow. Don't turn away from resistance. There's spiritual prompting, there's certain uncertainty, predictable resistance. And then last one is number, number four. And trusting God's process is simply uncommon confidence. Uh, let, let me summarize before I reread this verse. Paul says this. He says, I, I love it where I am. Ephesus is a great place. But I've been prompted by the Spirit. I know I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen there. There's certain uncertainty. I, I know it's going to be difficult. There's going to be resistance along the way. But I have a confidence. He says this, even though there's going to be bad and difficult times, even though I don't know the details, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. My only goal is to finish the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I consider my life worth nothing 
worth nothing to me if only I can serve Jesus wherever I am. Going forward, Paul wrote the biggest portion of the New Testament that we have today. God's inspired word that, that changes lives today. Paul, we're talking about Paul. Paul started churches across Asia, across Europe. Today, you and I are hearing and reading the word of God, the gospel, because one man trusted God's process. The Bible that we have in our hands today predominantly was because one man trusted God's process. Can you imagine if the church came together and did the same? If one man can go from, from a life of hating Christians, despising them so much that his desire was to see all of them put to death, that was his job. He was paid by the religious authorities of the day to go around finding Jesus followers and kill them, stone them, beat them, just, just, just delete them. Boop, gone. And yet that man is the reason that you and I are reading the gospel today. <laughs> Paul didn't necessarily have a plan for the future. He had a plan to obey the Spirit today. Yes, there, there, there were definitely things that he hoped for. There's things in my life. I, I told you guys when we were talking about dreaming again, I'm still going outside, walking around the property and just saying, all right, God, what do you want to do? I'm dreaming. But there's a point where I have to recognize the, the, the grandeur of my dreams pale into comparison to what God wants to do. So as I'm trusting him, God, what, what, what is it you're wanting to do? What is it? I'm wanting to see it. I'm wanting to see it. I'm getting excited. Corey, take this step. I mean, that doesn't really seem like the step that you would take if you want to go for what we're doing here. But I'm going to trust God's process. It's not going to be easy. But I'm certain that God wants you to glorify Jesus wherever you are. For Paul... It didn't matter if he was preaching to a big crowd, he was going to talk about Jesus. If he was locked up in prison, he was going to write about Jesus. If he was chained to the prison guard, he was going to lead the prison guard to Jesus. If they were beating him, leaving him for dead on the side of the road, he was calling out on Jesus. Why? Because he was absolutely completely confident that it's not about his career or what it is he did but more so who he was. He knew he had a heavenly calling to glorify Jesus, regardless of where he was. It was all about Jesus. All about Jesus. And, and when it's all about Jesus, when you trust God's process, Paul didn't just make a difference in the world. He made history for the glory of God. Some of you are wanting to make history, and yet you're not willing to sit there and listen to the prompting of the very one who's establishing history. Paul. Uh, man, let me, let me tell you about Paul's process. Trusting God's process. This is, this is just a little bit of what I've been able to read or find out, figure out about Paul's process. 
we know before Paul was a follower of God, hated Christians, killed Christians, and, and then he meets Christ, and there's this, there's this powerful conversion. Uh, like instantaneous, boom, right in this moment, his life is radically changed, transformed. So much so that his desire goes from I need to kill them all to I've got to share this. Immediately, he's so excited. He knows he's got to share the good news of God. You'd, you'd think that after a moment like that, it's like, hey, off to the races, let's go. Uh, some of this is, is a, a little uncertain, but here's what appears to have happened. Right after he became a Jesus follower, it looks like he spent about three years in, in basically quiet obscurity in Arabia. Three years, probably studying, wanting to preach. Hey, hey, can I, can I just like share my testimony? Can I say something? No, no, not yet. You're not ready. How about this week? Can I preach? Nah, we're going to wait a little bit longer. Three years he was there. A time, three years or so goes by, and then, and then he preaches his first sermon in Damascus. His first sermon in Damascus. You want to hear what the glory of God did there? After he was done, they wanted to kill him. He finished preaching. They wanted to stone him and kill him. That's how good his first message was. <laughs> look, look, had anybody like pulled up a rock on, on March the 10th, 2013 and said, oh, that sermon isn't going to quite cut it. I'm out. Like, okay, God, I missed something here. I didn't get this right. I thought I heard you say to preach, but I, right? I mean, look, look we, you do anything in life that you feel God's called you to do. And immediately there's this sense of, oh, my gosh, it's going to be amazing. It doesn't matter if you're getting up here to share with people or if you're, you're giving a presentation at work or, or at school. Whatever it is, there's this mentality that, okay, all right, I, I know I can do this. This is going to be great. And what do they do? Boo, we're going to kill you. He goes on the run. After his first message, he goes on the run. He's running for his life. Thank you, Jesus. That's the calling. Struggling to pay the bills. Like ends aren't meeting. More years pass. He wants to preach. Instead, you know what he's doing? His desires to preach. You know what he does? Starts making tents. Making tents. Here's a, here's a double room tent. Here's a single room tent. Here's a really steeped pitch tent. Here's a wider tent. He's making tents. Here's another tent. He wants to preach, but he's making tents. Some of you, man, that's, that's your life. You, you feel like you've been called to something else. It's your world. You, you feel like there's so much more. There's, there's something else that God wants for you. But in the meantime, right now, you're, you're making tents. What do you do? Can you still trust God's process when you're making tents? About eight years or so goes by. Paul's still looking to preach. But let's be honest. Like, like if I got a phone call and it said, hey, uh, I'm a traveling minister. I'd like to preach at your place. Oh, awesome. What's your name? Well, it's Paul. I used to be Saul. I don't know if it, Oh, yeah, no. You know what? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Aren't you the... Yeah, no. No, 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 no. I value my life. So I don't need you preaching here. I mean, can you imagine how many doors were, were open for Paul? Hey, I got this guy. He, he wants to preach at your church. Isn't that the guy that used to kill Christians? Yeah, we're good. I don't, I don't need to, like, say, hey, here we are. 
Doors were shutting in his face. Trying to preach. Trying to. Finally, a man by the name of Barnabas vouches for him, gives him some credibility, and and then, then doors start opening. But the process was studying. It was waiting. It was praying. It was studying. It was waiting. It was praying. It was making tents. It was studying. It was making more tents. It was boring tents. It was making more tents. It was praying, studying, trusting God's process all along the way. But guys, God is doing something in you because he wants to do something through you. But but you got to become the he or she that he wants you to be. Because only then will you be able to do the do that he wants you to do. That's right. There's no way you're going to do the do without listening to what he's telling you to do. If you're making tents, serve Jesus there. Some of you are at a place right now in your life uh, that, that you feel like you're just in a rut, in the mundane. Can you serve Jesus there? Can you trust him in the process even there? When it doesn't make sense, when you know you're called to something more, to something greater, can you still be content to trust his process and trust his step today? Don't worry about tomorrow and what that needs to be today. What is God calling you to do? If you're waiting tables, man, serve Jesus waiting tables. If you're a stay-at-home mom, serve Jesus as a stay-at-home mom or dad. If you're a student, serve Jesus there. Look, wherever you are, be obedient there. Don't worry about getting there. Worry about here, right now. What does God want you to do? Who does, what's the influence that you currently have? See, some of y'all don't even realize the circle, the influence that you currently have. It's the water cooler crew. It's the, it's the after school crew. It's, it's this, these little groups of people that, that, man, if you just take the time to trust God's process, not only would your life be radically changed, not only would history be changed, but the lives of those around you would be radically changed. But sometimes what? It's, it's easier to complain about the gossip or it's easier to complain about the individual that's doing us wrong or, or the situation that's not lining up the way it should be. It's much easier to complain. Can you trust God's process? This scripture, I, 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 it's not always true about me. I, I want it to be. I do. I, I want it to be, man, that the Holy Spirit would, would prompt me, that I'm led by God. And, and, and even though I don't know what's going to happen, uh, that I'd still be able to just trust his process and, and face adversity head on. That way that there would be this, this uncommon confidence that just beamed from me. But it's faith. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Look, we we suffer. We suffer sometimes as Jesus followers. Quit whining about it. They don't treat me right. Look, I'll agree with you. It's not fair. There's situations, there's things in life that, that some of you have gone through that I wouldn't wish on an enemy. There's things in life that happen that aren't fair. 
But God wants that you should have life and have it abundantly. We, we, we tend to kind of throw blame. I, so March is, is a, a month of rejoicing in that this was a, a new beginning for, for Melissa and I. February is, is my hardest month. I lost both my mom and my dad in February. And I, 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 I talk about it sometimes. My, my parents were great people. But it's very easy to, to just... <laughs> People will approach me and, and tell me, Corey, I need prayer. My, my dog is hurting. And everything in me wants to go, shut up. My pain was worse. But that's, that's not the truth. We all deal with pain. We all deal with struggles. And, and, and the struggle that you're facing is your mountain. It, it may be my molehill, but it's, it's your mountain to each and every one of us. But at what point in time is your complaining about it going to make it better? Well, God, you told me to do this, and this ain't lining up. Really? Because you know God's line up. Come on. We do. We envision some great there out there, but God wants you to have exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask, think, or imagine. So whatever there you think you're striving for, if you would trust God's process here, I can promise you God will take you there better than you could even begin to get. But it's trusting his process. It's putting your armor on every day. Making a decision to get back in the game. I know God's leading me. I know it's all about him. However, I consider my life worth nothing. If only, if only I can, wherever I am, whether it's making tents, making money, making nothing, making babies, whatever it is that God's called you to do. Whatever rut you feel like you're stuck in. Wherever you are, wherever you do, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Guys, when you get to that point, you don't have to worry about the future. All you got to do is be obedient today. I mean, it really does become that simple. Your life will glorify him. That's how you go about getting there. It's step by step. It's trusting God's purpose here. If you'll bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father, I, I thank you. And Lord God, right now I, I ask that, that your spirit, Lord God, would continue to lead us, would continue to guide us, would continue to empower each and every individual in this room, tuning in online step by step. As I'm, as I'm continuing to pray, man, if, if there's, there, there may be people here that, uh, you're a, you're a follower of Christ and you, and you believe and you know that, that he's, he's risen and that he's yours. But, but there's, there's something else inside that you, wanna, you know you need to be more sensitive to the spirit, the, the voice. If you're here this morning and you simply say, Corey, look, I, I just, I need to be able to hear the voice of God better. I need to be able to hear his spirit directing my life better. If that's you, guys, I, I want to pray just a special prayer for you this morning. Across this room, if that's you online, just, just type in, I'm praying. If you're here this morning, real quickly, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Awesome. Across this room, if you know you need to hear the Spirit of God directing you, prompting you, 
Just quickly raise your hand. Awesome, guys. Across the room. Awesome. 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 Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord God, for, for arms, for hands, Lord God, going up right now. For people online, Lord God, acknowledging, recognizing just the desire, Father, to, to hear your voice. Father, we know your word says that you're the good shepherd. You guide us and, and you lead us and you direct us, Father. So, so, Lord, we will follow your voice. We thank you, Lord God, that you're speaking, Father, whether it be through your word or, or, or by your spirit or, or through friends, Lord God, through people we know. Lord, we thank you for your voice through the circumstances that we deal with. You're speaking to us, God. I pray that we would be able to hear and discern, Lord, your voice following your will as you lead us, as you guide us, as you prompt us. Guys, I, I, I want to do one other thing as I close. I know I'm going a, a little bit long this day, this day but, but look here. There's some of you that, that don't know even just the relationship of God. I, I read a post this morning and somebody was talking about, uh, they were talking about cancer. Cancer was what took both of my parents and in this, that somebody was saying something about, man, they were trusting God because of the cancer. And, and somebody else just spouted out, man, you're messing up. The cancer was from God. That's, that's, that's the wrong mentality I think a lot of us have. Real quickly, guys, just look right here. We have a tendency to just pass off blame on God. Look, this world is falling apart. <laughs> From the beginning. I mean, I, look, God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. There was perfection and it got screwed up. So ever since then, there's been this gradual degradation down to what we are. I'm like, wow. Hmm. <laughs> but our natural mentality, the way we tend to kind of go off on things is to blame God for stuff. Oh, man, God is trying to give you a way out. God wants the best for you. He wants to see you live abundant life here as in heaven. But see, what do we do? Oh, God causes cancer. God doesn't cause cancer. Cancer happens. I hate it. Like, I'd love to tell you all the words I want to say about cancer, but we're recording, and then some of y'all would say them. Oh, that pastor says bad words. I think those bad words about cancer a lot. <laughs> I do. But God didn't cause cancer. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around and work for good. What the enemy meant to destroy, even myself, my, my journey in ministry, it was meant to be destroyed by an enemy who said, I know how to get under your skin. I know how to hurt you. It's trusting God's process. Heavenly Father, for those across this room, I again pray that you would allow them to step in faith, Lord God, into your process. Into what you have, Lord God, and all along the way in the uncertainties and the trials and in everything that comes up, Lord God, that they would be able to walk with the confidence that God is for them, not against them. That God is with them through everything. He is always, Lord God, with them. Father, I pray that your peace, your confidence would be upon your people. It's in the name of Christ I pray. Amen, amen. Guys, listen here. If you don't know about a personal relationship or if what I was just talking about sounds weird or un unfathomable, 
please come down here because I'd like to talk to you, share with you exactly how. It's very simple to say, I need Jesus. It's a relationship. It's so much different than anything you've ever been just told about. It's a relationship. God loves you. God is for you. He's not against you. Trust his process. Guys, y'all have a wonderful, wonderful week.